you better clutch your nuts, honey, because it's time for Squirrel Talk. Holy schmoly squirrels! Welcome to another episode of Squirrel Talk, found here, there, and everywhere. I am your hostess, as per usual, Vicky Licks. That's Vicky with the V-I-C-K-I-L-I-X. And oh my gosh, this is such an exciting season for us here at Squirrel Talk because we are bringing in the real drag all-stars. Okay, the real drag all-stars of drag. And I'm so excited for our guest today. But please, please welcome my co-host, as per usual as well. Please give it up for Hillary. Yes. It's me. Oh my goodness, I'm back. <laughs> She's the drag legend that I was talking about. I am? Oh, no, well, no. I, I don't know if you got that right. I'm more like a drag problem, but. <laughs> You're right. I was, I was kidding, Hills. I was kidding, of course. Anyway, get not. on to the more important person. She's <laughs> very special. <laughs> oh, my God. I can't believe we have her here. She is the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the theatrical genius, the brilliance of filmmaking. She is San, San Francisco drag legendary. It's Peaches Christ. Woo! Hi! <laughs> Yay! Oh my God! And and everyone goes wild. Woo! <laughs> that was uh, uproarious. Thank you. Uh, well, we tried. I, we tried. I tried. Yes. I, I tried to stir the crowd up for you. Thank <laughs> you. Crowd I, of crowd of two, but you know maybe <laughs> maybe a couple others will listen. Well, I mean <laughs> that's more than you get these days. A lot of times I'm I'm performing and there's no response. You know. Uh, that's where we're at. I feel yeah. Like. So thank you for joining us, Peaches. Again, absolutely. Um, such a, a fan of you and your work and your your legacy, darling. So let's get to know a bit about Peaches. So Peaches, what have you been up to lately? First of all, how have you been during all of this? Um, well, I mean, you know, I, I think like everybody, I have good days and I have bad days. Um, I certainly feel um, a little bit guilty being um, down or um, living in fear, I guess, because, you know, all things considered, I'm fine, you know? Um, but that being said, you know, um, I'm, I'm unemployed like the rest of us and life as I know it kind of changed because I, I make my living producing theater. Um, so, you know, that's not coming back anytime soon. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm okay. Like today is a good day. I'm okay. I feel good today. Um, and my partner and I are healthy and, uh, you know, we're, we're paying our rent. So, you know, I'm, I'm certainly more worried about some folks, you know, who, um, you know, I'm lucky in some ways because I was established enough that I can still make ends meet through booking online gigs and things. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of friends who, um, you know, really depend, especially in big cities, especially in San Francisco on those, um, drag gigs, you know, week to week. So it's a scary time. It's been a, a lot complete of lifestyle change. And I mean, it's like, we're just completely in this new world that we're entering and who knows when things could even go back to normal. So I think it's it, going to be a while, you know? Yeah. So I think, you know, we kind of need to start, you know, and, and I think that there's going to be fatigue if not already from the online stuff. So yeah. we're, it, it's that sort of figuring out um, what's that, what's it going to be like in between, you know? Exactly. Um, and it's something, been, and, you know, we're also going through Pride Week and it's, you know, Pride is very different this year as well. So it's just a lot of changes. Like you said, 2020 is a year of change. So it's really finding how to traverse through all this. So how have you been yeah. doing so, so far, Peach? 
Um, so far, I've been okay. Like, um, you know, the week that we went into shutdown, I had a show scheduled for March 14th. Um, it was a parody of uh, Death Becomes Her that I do with Jinx Monsoon and Ben De La Creme. And so the girls were in town. I, you know, brought them into San Francisco. I mean, we were rehearsing on Wednesday night and then, you know, found out Thursday that San Francisco was going to shut down. And we were the first American city to really uh, close. Um, so while it was shocking, I'll say that it was almost a relief. I remember saying to Jinx and Ben, I'm glad that someone made the decision for me so that we didn't do an event. You know, our, our events are, are large. You know, we do them at the uh, Castro Theater. It's 1,400 seats. Yes. We had two shows scheduled that day. And, you know, the idea that, like, some sort of COVID outbreak <laughs> could be, like, traced back to one of our shows, I thought, well, oh, at least I don't have to worry about that. So while it was awful, I'm also glad that, you know, the mayor made that decision. And because we shut down early, San Francisco actually has done fairly well, all things considered, with with uh, COVID. Um, but... Uh, you know, as we've gone on, what we thought, I don't know how it was for you guys, because you guys are in Canada, right? We're in Toronto, mm -hmm. yeah. We're in Toronto. So, you know, when we first closed down, I think a lot of us, it was kind of like, you know, things are going to be closed for a couple weeks. And then it was like, you know, probably till the end of the month, you know, and then it was like, okay, now it's maybe two months. And now yeah. we're realizing, oh my God, life will never be the same, you know? Mm -hmm. So it, it, it's been a series of, you know, um, what's the word? accepting, you know, we keep having to accept the new reality over and over again. Yeah, what stage of grief are you at at this point? <laughs> exactly. I the, mean, that, the, that's kind of really what it is, right? And yeah. you're, you're, you're mourning your, the life that you knew. I mean, certainly for me, you know, theater has, lot performing live has always been a big, big part of my life. And yeah, yeah so yeah, like it, I have ups and downs, but uh, I think because Jinx and Ben and I went through that together, we we sort of, and we're also chosen family. We're very close. We we decided to um, do an old timey radio show um, that that's called WQUR, and we have two episodes out. We've actually delayed the third one because of Black Lives Matter and George mm -hmm. Floyd. It just didn't feel right to be making that show in the moment, um, and so it also didn't feel right to be putting it out. You know, we basically all three agreed that we were gonna focus our efforts on um, the movement. Yes. Um, so that's kind of what we've been doing. But I have to say like writing and creating a new radio show and utilizing our storytelling talents and comedy talents in a new way, and I enjoyed it. I mean, quite frankly, I enjoy not having to like wear a corset. <laughs> <laughs> I know. mean, seriously, it's a new world of drag where it's like shoes. Who needs them? I mean, mm -hmm. my feet have never felt better. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you got to trade your you got to trade your shoes for a green screen and a camera. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I always think of when I think of Pizza's Christ, I think of the theatrical shows like you were saying that you do and the filmmaking that you do, and that's kind of um, that's kind of what Pizza's is all, all about. So this is a total switch in that direction. But I think because you have that filmmaking background, Pizza's, I think there's a way for you to kind of bounce back from this. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what I've been working on. So um, Varla Jean Merman and I um, write together a lot. She's a colleague, a friend, and we yes, work together a lot. we've had Varla on the podcast recently. That's right. Lovely. Yeah, so... Varla and I actually have been working on writing a television show together. Oh. Yeah. Um, so we're, 
really excited about it. The, the, we've written a pilot and we have, you know, we're, we're creating a whole pitch and uh, we should be ready to start pitching to companies uh, very soon. And, you know, because I have friends and because I've made a movie and, you know, um, I've always had one foot in the movie business and one foot in the theater business. And really my theater world is about celebrating movies anyway. Um, I, I'm definitely being drawn um, back toward filmmaking right now because, you know, it seems like uh, something that we'll be able to do uh, before theater reopens. Right. And writing, because you are a brilliant writer, Peaches. You oh, write parodies, you. you write a, kind of a original scripts as well, but I think this is really the moment for you to get back into the writing of things, you know? It, it's definitely going to be a switch because like, like the year before I wrote five new shows, you know, I'm used to writing, but I think what's going to happen is I've been sort of resenting the six, this is so, so fucked up, but like the parody shows. You resent the success of your own success? What well, is it? Sounds, <laughs> it, it sounds so obnoxious. I know. You, know? <laughs> you, you don't at all. Okay. No, it's that thing where I'm so grateful for the weird, weird career that I've had, and I could never have predicted it. But I was starting to feel burnt out um, with doing the parody shows so much and touring so much. And I, I, I was never making time for like doing a, you know, a TV show. Varla and I have talked about writing a TV show for years, yeah. but we actually, you know, you get caught up in the hamster wheel of performing and you just put off these other things. Right. So there is a side of this whole thing that's like, well, it's a forced stop, you know, and a, and a way, way to reevaluate. How do you, because I know a lot of performers too, a lot of drag queens particularly, feel like they constantly need to be out there, constantly, like if they fall out of the scene for even a minute, people will forget them. Or Does that go through your mind at all? Does that happen to you? No, not really, believe, <laughs> believe it or not. No, In good, fact, great. I, I love I, hearing that. I do wonder um, if maybe I should think more that way. <laughs> I mean, I've been looking around and I'm like, God, all my friends and colleagues are doing way more shows than I am, you know? Um, and, but, but part of me is saying, you know what, I'm going to focus on, you know, if I get, if I just jump into doing virtual shows all the time, then nothing's really changed as far as making room for that other stuff. Yes. Right? So, yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I haven't really done that many and, um, and I'm okay with that. I think I'm fine. You know, like I'm blown away by like how many shows Jackie beat. In fact, I've become so obsessed with Jackie beat. <laughs> yeah. The, the number of shows she does that like, and I've been talking about it with some other people like Coco and I are like, does she ever, like, is she just in drag now all the time at home? <laughs> oh, yeah. She's you know, like, a real woman. It's, it's amazing. I mean, but Jackie has, I think this is heaven for Jackie. Jackie has always said, you know, if she could just do drag, you know, at home, from home, that would be great, you know. She so she's living for this. Yeah, um, so I'm 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 thrilled for the queens that are um, thriving, and I'm also realizing like, okay, I I'm actually I'm okay with taking a break for yeah, a little bit. Mm -hmm. I think it's good. It's a it's good to be able to know that about yourself. You're okay to take a step back sometimes. You know. Yeah. You don't always have to go go go. Um, and you're. I mean, parish, it, it, you're that that said, it was a ama it's amazing the amount of um, theater and, and and queens that you've rotated through there. Uh, like, wow, that's so many shows that you've put together. How do you do that? I mean, you're saying you're taking a break, but I feel like you're one of the busiest, hardest working queens out there. I think in a way, I, I certainly was starting to lose my mind a little bit. Um, and, you know, I think 
uh, I, like a lot of us, um, we, we who uh, have been at this a long time, we can um, really lose sight of a good work-life balance. Um, and so I was, I was just create, I was writing shows all the time, performing, touring, um, while, while, and often not enjoying the moment, as cheesy as that sounds, mm. because, you know, I remember, um, you know, last year being on this Mean Gaze tour yeah. uh, with Kim Chi and Willem and Laganja, and I just, you know, loved them so much, and everyone, everyone was enjoying it so much, but I'm in the hotel room actually writing another show, you know, while I'm on tour with that show. Right, because so you're right on to the next one. Yes. Does it yes. all just kind of start to blur together after a while? Yes. <laughs> yes, it does. Yeah. And, and I think I enjoyed it more when I was doing less, you know, and it's that thing now with, the, you know, the apocalypse <laughs> where you realize, <laughs> you know what, money's not going to save us. All we have is today. And, and I'm, I'm definitely feeling like, you know, a little bit cheese ball, but I don't want to go back to that sort of hustle. I want to, I want to really like enjoy the stuff that I'm doing, you know, really be in the moment. And like, I love performing with my friends. I love creating great stuff, but um, I sort of stopped enjoying it because all of it just felt like work after a while. And that's, I don't want to go back to that, you know? Yeah, so I, when did that all start? Cause before then you were doing like midnight mass and all about evil and, mm -hmm. and all that amazing stuff, but you really got into that cycle. When did that start? Well, it's all born from the same place. It's all just been one big evolution. So, you know, I started doing, uh, you know, dr drag in college. I, I was a film student and I was, I did drag uh, in a movie I made called Jizz Mopper. And Jizz yes. <laughs> Yeah. And I mean, it's the best title ever. I mean, I... I <laughs> I've heard you uh, on various interviews being very, in, in, uh, you know, embarrassed by that title, but my goodness, come on, <laughs> give yourself a little credit. Oh, lady. I'm proud of it. I mean, <laughs> every, everything I've done is sort of been, you know, just in a way ridiculous and moving to San Francisco and becoming, you know, uh, Peaches Christ and really drag at that time was transgressive. It was punk rock. Certainly, you know, outside of RuPaul or Divine. What time, you know, what time was this, Peaches? This was in the mid-90s. So I moved right. to San Francisco in 96. And, um, and, you know, I was a baby and I was inspired by Frankenfurter and Divine and Ru RuPaul and the Queens from New York. But I wasn't, I never thought of it as something that would become a career, you know. It wasn't, um, it was always a hobby, an outlet for artistic expression and craziness. And so... Mm -hmm. You know, we did these shows and um, I created Midnight Mass, again, just as a way for me to celebrate screening cult movies. And we started making little plays and doing little performances before the movies that were tributes to the movies. And it was just sort of like, by putting one foot in front of the other, Peaches Christ became uh, a thing in San Francisco that people enjoyed, kind of despite mm -hmm me in a way and um and midnight and midnight mass kind of became a business i mean i remember at one point being like oh we we keep selling out shows i don't know what to do and someone was like uh you add another show you know like yeah. like i wasn't necessarily like i literally was in it for the fun of it you know like mm -hmm. which i think a lot of people are, who are drawn to drag are like that you know um, I mean, I hope so. I don't know about today, but maybe. maybe. It's different now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, see, I didn't grow up in a world where 
you could just, you know, go on a TV show and become, you know, like a millionaire. Like that wasn't, that wasn't a thing, you know. When Luke you started Paul drag back anomaly. in the day, you really wanted to, you had to want to do drag. Because there was yeah, I mean, it was not popular. No, it wasn't popular. Yeah, no, it wasn't. So, so yeah, that, so, so everything that I'm doing now, we were doing then, you know what I mean? But just in a much smaller form, I was making short films and showing them at Midnight Mass. We were doing, um, you know, movie parodies before, but our movie parodies were 15 minutes, you know, then eventually they, they became 30 minutes. And, you know, so it just all evolved. And then eventually we outgrew the Bridge Theater, which is where we did Midnight Mass. And we, we moved to the Castro. It didn't make sense anymore to do it at midnight, but essentially, you know, mean gaze or anything I'm doing today is a, is in a sense, it's just another version of Midnight Mass. That's a question I had. That's definitely, I was wondering if you had, if you kind of adapt your, your previous uh, shows or you just kind of start from scratch. Cause I know there's lots of lip syncing and things like you, that you add in as well. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, it's kind of like, um, a, yeah, it kind of is a hodgepodge of all different things. Every little kind of, trick or gimmick um, I can think of. And I try to play, you know, to people's strengths. So, you know, for example, if I'm, if I'm working with headliners who are really good dancers, like we did um, a Bring It On parody with Bob and Monet, yeah. um, you know, in the, and, and you know, it's a movie about cheerleading, then that's gonna be a really dance heavy show, you know, and we're gonna bring in certain choreographers who know cheer and all that stuff. But if I'm doing like, well, like Drag Becomes Her, where it's Jinx and Ben and I, um, we didn't do any lip syncing. The whole show is is parody songs that yes. Ben Dela uh, Creme actually wrote the lyrics for. So, you know, I'll I'll change up the formula depending on who I'm working with and like what the show is. Very cool. Good. Good. Oh, cool. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So you started in the mid '90s. How did you come up with Peaches Christ? Where did that come from? The Christ. The Christ. Uh, <laughs> um, well, I was, uh, I grew up in Maryland and I was, uh, uh, raised Catholic and right. I went to Catholic school and I was just always one of those total weirdos who, you know, was the black sheep. I didn't really fit in. Um, you know, it was exactly what you would probably expect a young Peaches Christ to be, <laughs> you know, and, um, discovering John Waters, you know, changed my life. I couldn't Being believe the, it. Yeah. You know? Because I, I mean, growing up in Maryland, like it seemed a million miles away from Hollywood or anything exciting. It even seemed a million miles away from New York, you know, when you're a kid, like, even though it wasn't, you know, it just felt so far away. Maryland, so when I discovered- Maryland always seems like an island to me in the middle of the States. Like I know so many artists that have come out of there in Baltimore, but they always seem like they're just coming off this weird island. <laughs> it is its That's own Maryland. kind of thing. It's, yeah. I mean, you know, it's basically like DC, Baltimore, Maryland. It's its own little kind of bubble. And it's not necessarily, um, you know, it's just, it's not New York, it's not San Francisco, it's not LA, you know, but discovering that John Waters, you know, and Divine and Mink Stoll were making movies just, just up the road from where I lived and, you know, literally in the neighborhoods of my relatives, um, that blew my mind. And it really, it kind of changed my vision for what could be possible. Um, and so I discovered that and uh, the Rocky Horror Picture Show around the same time. And it was kind of like there was no, no looking back after that. So Peach's Christ um, was sort of the obvious sort of drag 
I guess, expression for me because I was so mad at the Catholic Church and such a rebellious, you know, um, angry punk little queer that I loved creating um, a character that might piss off Catholics. Oh, you did a, it. Char- a character against the Catholic Church that has become more and more justified as the years have gone on. My goodness. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even the priest I grew up, you know, he came to our uh, home every Christmas, you know, Father Spillane and, you know, in Maryland. And, you know, we grew up with him and he brought his mother to church. Like my mother called me when I was in college to let me know like that he had been, you know, um, actually he gave him, he turned himself in for pedophilia. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, did. yeah, I mean, it was, you know, it was rampant. And for yeah. me as a Catholic kid, when you grow up in religion, I think when you grow up in any religion and, you know, you're taught to, um, you know, feel like you belong and you're part of something, the fact that that thing is then used to hurt queer kids um, and women and young girls, you know, it perpetuates misogyny and, um, and racism and homophobia. You know, when you realize as you get older, you know, you kind of go one way or the other. You either have to like let go of the power the church has or you continue to be miserable, you know. Or as the Southern extremist used to Baptists say, get away from the homosexual pulpit. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why I love Peaches Christ. It's because that is like, that is what drag is about. It's about activism. It's about saying a fuck you to certain institutions and peoples, you know. That's what it's about. And that's how you started. Yeah, it's funny. It's like in San Francisco, especially in, in other places, but in San Francisco, especially Peaches has been so accepted in a way that um, I would never, you know, like I, I remember just loving it when people would protest our shows or, you know, be upset. But now like, you know, Peaches Christ, you know, I host the big symphony, you know, holiday of it. And every year at the San Francisco Symphony, you know, it's like uh, my, my portrait hung in City Hall for a year, you know, as a, as a San Francisco luminary. And there's part of me that's like, this is not punk rock anymore. Like what, what happened? You're a designated um, official. But I think it's one of those things that could only happen in this city, you know? Yeah, so tell me how San Francisco is a little different from the rest of New York, LA, you know? How is it different for the drag there? If you, if you really sort of trace back um, drag in its current form, it's sort of more outrageous form, you know, um, there has always been sort of female illusion and cross-dressing, and that's always been a part of like humanity and, and part of being trans and gay and, and, and expressive. But, as far as drag becoming sort of this performative um, art form, you know, if you look at what the Coquettes were doing in the late 60s uh, here in San Francisco, it really hadn't been done before, you know, where men and women and everyone in between, um, you know, were dressing in drag and putting on drag shows. And that lineage from the Coquettes uh, to the Angels of Light to uh, the Doris Fish and the folks that made Vegas in Space and to the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence and the Imperial Court and the Tranny Shack crew and, you know, all this stuff. It really, I have to say, like, San Francisco is not given enough credit. <laughs> I would all agree the drag with because I feel like it really is, like, the staple of drag. But we just, and even on uh, Drag Race itself, we haven't seen a lot of representation from San Francisco. None. I mean, you know, you've got Honey Mahogany, yeah. who is amazing, and um, just such a huge, I mean, I love what Honey has done, because she left the show. She did, there's no other Drag Race alum who has done what Honey has done, which is to become a political activist 
you know, come out as uh, trans, non-binary, you know, uh, buy the stud bar with a collective of artists and then run for political office. Yeah, it's incredible. While creating a campaign to create the nation's first ever transgender cultural community. A part of our Tenderloin district is now named for transgender people because of Honey Mahogany. You know, so I'm just like, yeah, I guess that's the thing. Like it's San Francisco, it's like Honey went on drag race. It didn't really treat her very well. And she came off the show and said, eh, I want to make a difference in the world. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's the difference. It's just a different mindset of like, you know, this isn't the be all end all. There's other things that we can do to I mean, make, that's, make the yeah, changes. Yeah, that's certainly the way Honey tackled it. And I'm so proud of her. Um, and then, uh, you know, poor Rockham Sakura. Uh, yes. You know, has been on this season, um, which sadly I haven't really seen, but I've heard that she was very well liked and very well received, but, you know, uh, maybe left too soon. But any of the girls on this past season have kind of, you know, been kind of fucked over. They were you know? screwed. Yeah, sure. I mean. I feel we, we're big fans of Rockham for sure. Oh, she, good. We, yeah, our house, yeah. our, the House of Licks, which is Hillary and myself and my other daughters, we do very much what you do, Peaches, where we do parodies and we do... Uh, uh -huh original yeah. scripts and stuff. And uh, so this is, Rockham was definitely in line with that. So I was disappointed to see her go so soon. Yeah. yeah, and her and a couple other girls put out a YouTube video the other day about like bad drag. And I was just like, yeah, that's us. Great, perfect. Okay, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I hope she was pro bad drag. Oh yes, good bad drag, as she yes, calls yes. it. You know, yeah. the tenants of good bad drag. And I love that. Yeah, I got, they, I remember I was on um, Dragula last season and that's right you were yeah i'm one of the, um one of the yes i've been i've been a judge on every season of dragula oh every um, season yeah every season i'm i keep pushing the boulet brothers to make me their michelle visage i'm like uh, why you should why well, you know, on every episode you, you know? have the you have the horror uh, movie knowledge there you go they they really need me yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh god i'm gonna get in trouble but um I, I said something to Louisiana Purchase, who I love, yeah. uh, where, where I said something like, you know, you do bad drag. And then I go on to say there's a, a difference between good bad drag and bad bad drag. But like, if you looked at what she was wearing on the runway, she looked like Ms. Hannigan and, you know, like the costume, <laughs> you know, I but know it was, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. it was fabulous. It was so great. You know, she knows she's confident. You don't need a bazillion dollars to go down a drag mm -hmm. runway and make a point. And, um, but when they edited it for the com commercial, what they did was they just, you see Peaches go, you do bad drag. Yeah, didn't they? <laughs> Don't worry. We knew it. I knew exactly what you're talking about. Okay, good, so, good, good, good. I mean, Chelsea, who's 12 years old and, you know, Alabama probably didn't, but whatever. <laughs> right, right, right. It's okay, Peaches. I say this to Hillary every day. So it's totally fine. <laughs> yeah. I, I know you were talking about Drag Race and you worked recently with uh, Brooklyn Heights, our sister, Brooklyn. Yes. Yeah, you were going to do a show. And then thank God, did you have to cancel that because of COVID as well? No, no, no. Last year, that was pre-COVID. So, right. I think oh, you're yes, yes, yes. We actually did. You know what? I'm sorry. We did have to cancel uh, one of them because of COVID. Right. Uh, you're right. I'm, I'm so forgetting like what, what was supposed to happen in my life. You are absolutely <laughs> correct. So after Drag Becomes Her uh, in March, you're right. I was supposed to fly to uh, Fort Lauderdale and do uh, the First Wives Fight Club, which is a show I wrote with Varla. Yeah. Um, 
and and I was supposed to do it with um, Brooklyn uh, and Nina West. Uh, Nina was going to replace uh, uh, Ginger Minge. Well, we've done the show a number of times, actually. Jinx has played that. Basically, we, we've done it enough that a number of different girls have played different parts. But it was such a bummer because um, it, you know, got canceled and like everything else, you know, th then after that, you know, every er everything I had planned was basically canceled. Yeah, it all, it all came tumbling down. But I guess Brooklyn's going to be in, you know, she's hosting your drag race. Brooklyn is doing very well for herself. My sister, we started at the same time over 10 years ago. Wow. <laughs> Every time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, she's hosting Canada's Drag Race. It's premiering no, on You Thursday. hate her because of it? or you I, She's her? liberating a nation, but it should have been me, Peaches. Yeah, she, hate, <laughs> she hates other people, not Brooklyn. Brooklyn's great. <laughs> okay, Easily. so what do, you, what do you think of Misconception? Oh, oh I wonderful. Misconception. Oh, yeah, yeah. She, who can say a bad word about Misconception? Yeah, Not she's a lot of people, but drink. I know a few. She's like my drag <laughs> act, kind of. Misconception and I shared a dressing room all summer long a few years ago in Provincetown. Yeah, of course. And how's Provincetown? How do you enjoy that compared to other, um, other it, theatrical spaces? I really love it because it's, you know, it's like this weird little queer shanty town that's, there's nothing quite like it anywhere. I mean, on any given night in that town in the summertime, there's like 30 different queer performances happening from yeah, it's crazy. You know, drag shows to stand up comedy to live music and it's all supported, you know? Um, so that doesn't, I, it's sad, but that just doesn't happen anywhere any, anymore, you know? Um, so I think Provincetown is really uh, such a special place, but like a lot of other special places, it's, you know, sadly been gentrified um, to the point where you know, rich gays can go there and vacation, but the oh. sort of, you know, bohemian yeah. magical yeah. drag queens that made it sort of what it is can't even afford to go there anymore. You hit the nail on the yeah. nose. I, I can't afford to go there and I would yeah. love to, but like, it's also practically on an island in the middle of the Atlantic. So it's it like- is. <laughs> yeah. It, it That's really is. Maryland. Yeah, it's just up the way. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I actually stopped doing um, Provincetown because uh, I, I, a couple years ago, uh, I tried to do both Provincetown and this new immersive um, theater uh, haunted attraction I have here in San Francisco. And I, I really can't be in Provincetown all summer and mount this other project. So I, I actually retired Provincetown last summer and then of course this summer, it's really just not happening. Yeah, outdoor is literally your outdoor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here's your lawn, Varla. Yeah, I guess Varla is gonna go to Provincetown. Yeah, she is, yeah. She says she's gonna do maybe an outdoor show, call it grazing yeah. or something like that. <laughs> no, it's, it's, called, no, it's called Super Spreader. Oh, really? <laughs> I don't know, I don't know if I'm supposed to announce that, so. Oh. Yeah, if anyone if anyone's listening, don't tell Barla I told you that. <laughs> oh goodness! But how, how I, I didn't. You know what you you know at my mouth. You think about things after you say them. But I have to say, <laughs> the title of that show is so brilliant. She has yeah. she has some of the best titles for her uh -huh. shows. So well, your... I will take full credit. I came up with the title for last year's show, A Star is Bored. That is a good title. I Thank love that. You. Going into my next question for you is, how is it like to co collaborate with drag queens? Because usually, you know, drag queens are all ego and sometimes it's hard to work with each other, but you <laughs> collaborate with everybody that you work with. And that, My I ears are burning, Vicky. Shut up, Hillary. <laughs> 
Um, uh, I, you know, I really, I guess probably the filmmaker in me and the sort of carnival uh, freak in me really loves collaboration. Yeah. And I really like working with big teams of people. And I love to, um, both on stage and off or in front of the camera and behind the camera, I love to let people do their thing, like figure out what they're good at and let them do it. You know, I'm not very, I'm not a micromanager. None of my shows are flawless. I mean, they're always fucked up to some degree, you know, people forget lines or, you know, but the power of our shows, I think, is that so many great people come together with the, I always say this about working on one of our shows. If your goal is to put the show first and the quality of the show, you'll fit in fine. That means you have to leave a lot of ego at the door. So, you know, we've worked with people who want to put themselves, you know, ahead of the show and it never works. They naturally just kind of get pushed out. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, if you've noticed, I tend to work with a lot of people over and over and over again, you know, and it's because they really get it. They get it. And that, it's kind of the same crop of girls that are um, on Drag Race that are kind of doing the thing that is classic drag, I suppose, like pre-drag race stuff, where it's live theatrical stuff, stand-up stuff. Jinx, yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of Vendola. them, yeah, the, I mean, even young ones like Jinx, they yeah. were very well established before they even made it on the show. But, yeah, you know, but so like working with Jinx or a Bianca or, you know, Latrice uh, or Bob or, you know, like all those folks, it's very easy because they they want to put on the best show possible. They don't yeah. need to be, you know, in the, now, now I'm not saying that I haven't worked with a girl who's, it's usually insecurity that gets in their way, you know, and yes. messes things up. Um, and we have, of course we have, but luckily, I mean, I've been, you know, really, I've been good at, uh, you know, um, choosing people I think will be a good fit and almost always they are. Yeah, I think it works out perfectly the way that, and you let them shine. I think that's one of the most important things too, is just letting people do what they love to do if they do it well, you know? Yeah, I mean, I'm often trying to be on stage less. <laughs> <laughs> but your name is on the title, but you can be off stage less. I love it. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> so where do we see ourselves going in the Snap Peaches? We talked a little bit about like taking a bit of a break, kind of focusing yeah. just on more of things that make you happy again as a performer, as a scriptwriter, as you know, yeah. a dramaturge. Well, I just found out, uh, it looks like as of today, we'll see what happens, but um, we are going to be allowed to do my um, immersive haunted attraction at the San Francisco Mint in October. Oh, now, that okay. Could, that could change. So, you know, now all of a sudden, all the work I would have done for that show, I haven't done yet. <laughs> so I've got to write a whole new horror show and it has to be sort of COVID safe. I mean, right. I have to come up with clever, creative ways to put actors behind plexiglass and, you know, have small groups of guests go through this thing while they wear masks. And, you oh know, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm actually excited about the challenge, you know, because I'd rather do something. You know? I mean, at least people can wear masks, haunted exactly. masks, right? Exactly. So um, what is your process in, in writing a show? What, what, how do you kind of start at Peaches? Um, I don't... Uh, have the same process for um, everything. So in terms of, believe it or not, for the um, parody shows, it's often, um, is this something that is worth um, celebrating? And what I mean, I guess, is 
is there a big enough cult that would even care about people? You know, some of the best movies I would love to do drag shows for, just I can't do because there's not an audience who would give a shit, you know? Right. Um, you know, so my favorite movies often aren't the most, you know, cult worthy. Uh, so, so once I figure out if, if the movie is worth celebrating, then I have to come up with the twist or the hook. So oftentimes where I start is with the poster or the title. And then I kind of figure it out from there. Like, is this a title and is this a cast that would inspire me to want to buy a ticket? To make right. me say, hey, I have to see that, you know? I think that's an interesting way of doing it because I mean, really doing a parody of an already made thing, like let's say Romeo and Michelle, right? And right. those are kind of iconic characters. They're played by two iconic actors. So you kind of go with like, what would sell the best for this and what would be the title of it and who would play those yeah. parts, right? So. Yeah, yeah. And that was, I mean, Hecklina and I did that one um, first and in San Francisco where we're, uh, you know, kind of considered a duo. I guess we are other places too, but you know, a comedy duo. Very um, funny. Very, yeah. very funny. Oh, thank you. People, people really responded. And then after a, a while, a, a few years, I thought, um, oh, I should revamp this with a different pair of girls. And it just was so obvious that it should be Trixie and Katya. So, yeah. you know, we, we did that. That's a great way of going about it, though. Yeah. And then how do you kind of come up with like the, what's the twist that you like to throw in there? Because you like to throw a twist sometimes, right? Yeah, I don't, I don't just sort of, you know, there's, there's definitely drag, there's definitely an approach to some of these drag shows where you literally take like, you know, the script to Golden Girls or whatever and just like act it out. Right. Um, and, and, and I don't, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, that's certainly its own form of comedy and, and fun and people love it. But I actually like to do a more um, traditional parody where I twist and turn and mash things up sometimes with multiple movies um, or, you know, maybe I get political, you know, I mean, Topical, what's topical? Yeah, exactly. So like a show like Legally Black, um, you know, was was very topical then. It would be even more topical now, <laughs> you know. Um, you know, but 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 I my problem with doing Legally Blonde uh, was that there was nothing transgressive about it and that it was so white and basic. And Bob and I talked about it and it was kind of like, but if we could make it, if we could take that and turn it on its head, then it's a Peaches show, you know, right. it's got enough of a queer sensibility where in my shows, in this, in this queer universe, any, you know, any, anything can happen. Yeah, and then you're speaking my language because I write parodies as well. So I love hearing the process of other people. And that's, yeah. I love when you can flip something completely on its head and be like, no, nope, this is the new way, watch this. Yeah, yeah and it's, hopefully... like a, it's like a masterclass. And I mean, like the tilt and the point of view is so important. I mean, that's the thing. It's sort of like we are queer. And so we, you know, have grown up having to consume media that like is all been created, even when it's created by queer people up until recently, it's still pretty much through a heteronormative lens. Yeah. So as drag performers, the fact that we can create absurd queer worlds, like in my world, like on all my shows, it's like everyone's queer, you know, like, <laughs> Like it's a, a totally queer universe, you know? Yeah. Um, you so can like, make it that way, you're in gay, charge. Yeah, it's like Mean Gaze takes place in an all-gay high school. <laughs> it doesn't, that doesn't make any sense. It doesn't exist anywhere. But guess what? My audience loves the idea of that. And yeah, it's perfect. We, you know, we want to be just in your face, unapologetically queer. And that's what these shows are.
And so often, you know, queers have seen themselves kind of, I don't know, as the villain, like, especially oh, like yeah. Disney characters. You always see yourself as Ursula for some reason. <laughs> for sure. Oh. I mean, you know, they, they, not for some reason, for good reason. I mean, they, they used queerness, <laughs> you know, to vilify people. Yeah. I mean, she was based on divine. So, you know, and, 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 and I love all that stuff, but it is also kind of problematic, you know. Yeah, and I think it's so great that you're able to kind of take it and uh, remix it into your own vision, Peaches. And that's kind of what makes you kind of the iconic drag queen that you are, honey. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and I love that. What I love everything that you've been doing. I can't wait to see what's coming out of you next. What's coming out of you next, Peaches? Oh. <laughs> A big fat turd. She's dropping some heat. You heard it here first. That's I love right. that. I love that title for you. Yeah, I'm gonna, after, as soon as I hang up from the Zoom call, I'm gonna go, go make a sewer pickle. <laughs> I have one last quick question, actually, because comedy has, I've, I'm sure you've noticed comedy has changed now. And, the, um, and just because of things that are happening and the, the movements and the revolutions, but it's yeah, also- the bowel movements and the, the <laughs> And yes. the bowel movements, Hillary's lifestyle. Um, <laughs> So how do you how do you navigate that in terms of your shows? Yeah, or or has it has it changed? Do you think? Well, I think um, intention is still really important, and I, uh, you know, there are things I look back on things that I've done in the past earlier in drag, where I'm like, oh God, that I wouldn't do that today. You know, like I remember right. once, like a group of white queens. Um, had a theme, a drag night, uh, you know, that was Tokyo Tea Party. Um, and, you know, it was, it, and I remember Japanese people coming and loving it, just loving it. But like, we were just so naive about what appropriation meant. And, yeah. you know, uh, you know, and I did a number wearing a kimono and all that, you know, like, but I, I so I wouldn't do something like that 20 years later. Miss um, Saigon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. that's the other thing is Miss Saigon. I mean, you watch it now and it's like, ugh, you know. I um, know. They would think that you would have learned by, you know, Gilbert and Sullivan's Mikado. Like, come on, 100 years, guys. Like, <laughs> and they, even, they even tried to change some of the lyrics and it's still, you know, kind of <laughs> cringeworthy. But yeah, yeah, I, I think, I think um, one thing um, that I've always kind of embraced is, you know, I'm very comfortable um, offending Catholics because I was one and I can own that. And so mm -hmm. when people are upset with me for, for making light of something like Midnight Mass or Peaches Christ, I'm able to really defend myself and, and, and own it, you know? Um, I've, so I've, I've not really made fun of, because I'm white, I really haven't introduced race too much into my comedy, you know? Um, I don't feel comfortable doing that. Um, and in San Francisco, you know, like AIDS humor was a big thing when I moved here, but it was because people were coping and these were, you know, people with AIDS and drag queens yeah. who were HIV positive, you know. Um, so I think there's a, a, a way for there to be um, healthy, dark humor and, and, and edgy humor, but it can't be at the expense of someone else or, you know, um, you know, where we're laughing at someone else. And I think, you know, um, I don't really, you know, as far as the reactionary um, stuff where people are upset about, you know, just anything and everything, I also don't go for that, you know. I think looking at intention is really 
important. And, you know, sometimes people just don't know better. And all it takes is a nice little conversation, you know, you know, and, and, and I have a friend recently who said to me, like, you are obsessed with saying ladies and gentlemen. I was like, yeah, I, I've always said that, you know, like, Justin Bond. I mean, I, oh, it's like, as an MC, ladies and gentlemen. And this friend of mine was like, I just so you know, it's very binary. And it's a kind of outdated um, address. And I'm only suggesting this to you because you, you know, are in a position where you could sh switch gears. And I was so grateful to that person because instead of attacking me, you know, for saying it, it was a conversation. Mm -hmm. And by the end of the conversation, I was like, yeah, I don't need to say ladies and gentlemen. It'll be a habit I have to break, but there's plenty of other things I can say. You yeah, know? I think having conversations is the way to move forward now is, you know, just informing people. And also on your end, being able to listen. I think being able to take a step back, listen, and uh, have a little, for, you know, step back and see how you present things, right? Yes, because the, uh, the other thing is you, I mean, there's nothing uglier than that old, uh, bitter, white, gay, who's going to hang on to the word tranny or hang on to the, you know, it's like fucking grow up. You know, things change. They evolve. Language evolves. Yeah. Uh, listen to people, listen to young people. You know, I, I if, if I'm going to become that miserable, you know, person, I should just retire. You know what I mean? So yeah, I think it's important for older people as well to listen, you know, when young people are, you know, not when they're screaming at you and, and getting off on being right, but when they have a point, you should listen, you know? Yeah, and be open to listening. That's one of yeah. the biggest things we, we can do right now. So I appreciate that you are listening, Peaches. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I think the world of comedy, it's changing, it's evolving too. So, I mean, senses of humor are changing. Can we be dark still? I think we can, but there's a way of doing it that's inclusive and not exclusive, you know? Right, right, right. So Peaches, oh, this has been a total pleasure for us to have you. And I like oh, Hillary saying a, a masterclass. <laughs> thank you. I've enjoyed it so much. And hopefully I'll get to meet you in person sometime soon. Yes, honey. I would love yeah. to get you to no. do a little tour on uh, Canada at some point. I'm yeah. right outside your door. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not that soon. Okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Welcome to Hillary's lifestyle. She, yeah. She's actually yeah. there. She's the Fleming. Yeah pile of poop. Outside. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, thank Peaches. You. Thank you. This has been, again, another honor, a pleasure to have you. And it's been so great just to, to chat, chat with a girl that knows how to write and do other things in drag. It's fabulous. Yeah. Okay, thank you All so right, much for sharing your amazing, your amazing tips and your amazing career with us. Because my goodness, you're, I mean, uh, just like you said, I think a month ago, you said something like, you don't have to be uh, get on TV to be a star. And I mean, you've been on TV and you're just incredible. Oh, thank you. Well, thank you both. You guys are making me blush and I just love it. Good. <laughs> I, I can feel it. I can feel the steam coming off your face. What type yeah. of blush is it? From MAC or? It actually is. It's very expensive. Okay, Mac okay. Blush. Perfect, yeah. perfect. It's an orangey hue. <laughs> thank you so much, Peaches. We love right. you. I love you too. Bye-bye. Bye, -bye. Right. Bye, Bye, Peaches. Oh, thank you so much, Peaches. Christ for joining us. Wasn't that great, Hillary? Oh, my God. I mean, they don't like to be called legends because that means they're old. But that was a legend. She was an old-ass legend, and we love her for it. And we are going to Old be... as in good. <laughs> yes. 
she knows that. We're, oh we are going to be back with our review of RuPaul's Drag Race Season 5 All-Star. Oh, Jesus. All-Star, our fall Season 5. Yeah. Episode 4. Uh, but we're going to take a short break from our sponsor, okay? Oh, my goodness. I have to go outdoors, and I don't have any shoes anymore. What am I going to do? Well, you know what you got to leave with? You got to put a mask on your face and some shoes on your feet. Oh, my gosh. It's the magical shoe freak shoe fairy. How'd you get in here? Well, I can pass through walls because I'm dead. Oh my God, dead fairy. I'm but a good scared, news, but good news. on the yeah. other side, we have an offer code that has been Ooh. made available on shoefreaks.ca. Tell me what it is. Nuts. Nuts, and I can get shoes? I have huge feet, I don't know. Yes, well, there's many uh, other um, spirits on this side that also have huge feet, and that's, you know, size 16. That's what they Size 16, do. incredible. Wide shoes, right, wide feet, okay. Wide, short, tall, voila. I don't have a lot of money though. What about shipping? That always stresses me out. Guess what? If you live in Canada, you get free shipping. Not that it matters to me, I'm dead. Oh my goodness. So I just go online to shoefreaks.ca and I can use the offer code NUTS for a discount? That is it. Yep, that's it. All right. Thank you so much, creepy fairy. Please leave now. Hey, no problem. I'm going to go talk to Hades. Have a good day. Bye. Ooh, Rady, we are back in action. Thank you so mm. much for Peaches. Oh, I love Peaches Christ. Oh, oh my goodness. Can you can you believe uh, that we are uh, you're 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 calling these people up and they're talking to us. I am shocked. <laughs> I not. am so uh, well, you're not, but I am. I'm I'm wetting myself every time I get to talk to somebody so incredible. I am feeling very blessed that people want to talk with us still. So yes, I am. Yeah. Yeah. It's incredible to be able to talk with all these, like we said, drag legends, and uh, with those more coming squirrels, so stay tuned. And, and not only drag legends, just drag people that I just love, you know, Peaches, Coco, Sherry, uh, Varla, all these incredible minds, just incredible. Yeah, well, I mean, they were, they've been the drag that has inspired me. You know, I'm, I'm, I was inspired by girls before drag race, so these, being able to talk to kind of my mentors of drag has been incredible, for sure. Yeah. Oh my goodness. And I'm passing that on to my children. Oh, who's that? Who's she? You're pregnant? <laughs> okay. So, uh, the, so we're going to talk about the episode, I guess, the recent yes. RuPaul's Drag right, Race so thing. Like Coco last week, Peaches did not watch this season and that is totally fine. And hey, neither did I practically. No. <laughs> yeah, I, I, mean, don't expect, I don't expect girls that are working the full times and busy girls uh, to watch drag race i mean i wouldn't <laughs> yeah it i mean it it's fun it's good but i mean oh my goodness there's so much saturation we've gone through uk to season 12 to all stars 5 drag race canada starts this week there's so much so let's it's get over- into it because we got a lot to get through yeah let's do it let's do it here we are we're on uh rupaul's drag race all stars 5 season 5 episode 4 yeah yeah tmz T- the tmz challenge is what it is tmc TM she oh she already done Ben that heard heard hisses or whatever it's, it's she MZ oh she MZ oh <laughs> it could work either way sorry they really could have they could have done uh, T she Z yeah because it could have been like TM she already done then had hisses you know <laughs> anyway stop stop distracting here we go We're okay episode who went home Mariah went home poor Mariah I mean she was kind of coasting so it was it, it was expected that she would go home eventually unfortunately but 
She's beautiful. I think she's too understated for Drag Race, to be honest. Understated? She's very understated because, like, she's hilarious, but it's so, like, off to the side and, like, you know, like, you don't, I don't know. She's not loud. I would like, say in, in this season of Drag Race, which I said in the previous with Selena, I, this is feeling very overproduced this season. And oh. I actually felt like Mariah was a breath, breath of fresh air. Yeah. Because she was very, like you're saying, very real, but like she doesn't Down overproduce earth. herself. Yeah. I, I, I totally agree. And I love that about her too. And I, I love that, but the producers don't. They don't. They want their, them to be dramatic and, you know, like Snooky. You know what I mean? So I, I guess so. I, for me, it's feeling a bit of a miss. This whole season's feeling like a bit of a miss so far. But let's get into it. So yeah. the girls are walking back into the workroom. Mariah just went home. They're pulling the lipsticks out to see who whose lipstick was for who. Yeah. And they're counting them up, and then it turns out to be two for Shay. Oh, yeah, and then they manufacture that whole drama shit. They're like, Shay, you have to act really surprised that two girls voted for you. Like, oh, my God, come on. Well, I do think Shay was probably surprised that somebody do did. Do you think so? She, well, she's the front runner. Everybody knows that. Well, and then, therefore, you should have knives at your back, don't you think? I mean, it's a competition. And it, it, it turns the game away from some seasons in uh, Drag Race. The girls are like, if you're a front runner, then you're fine. Right. Um, whereas, like, when Morgan McMichaels was off, it's like, no, I'm going to come for you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it. I guess it's that kind of conversation between, like, should the girls be playing it nice or should they be playing it shady? Well, and... they're, they're purposely making this into a survivor season. So, they're, yeah. They're shaking that, that rattlesnake shaker. I know Richard Hatch is quaking in his jail cell. Um... <laughs> in his naked jail cell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Talk about naked and alone. So Shay called so Mayhem um, admits to it, and so does Alexis. So there's a little yeah. tension there. Mayhem gets off uh, by explaining herself. Tell me um, how but... Mayhem gets off. Hello? She just kind of says, oh, I couldn't <laughs> send home Mariah. Mariah's my friend. Shay was like, that's true. Okay, um, fair. And then Alexis was just like, no, I'm just a straight up bitch. And um, so, yeah there was some drama that happened between Shay and Alexis. Yes, there was. And then next, so they come in the next day, yes? Oh yes, and then the Sherry Dunhead horses happens and they're gonna be doing TMC, or what, CMT or whatever? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Shin Megami TMT. Tensai. Persona 5. Um, so they're anyways. doing, uh, they're already split into teams again. I don't know. See, this is why they're doing this. They're already setting up the teams. I'm like, how do they come up with the teams? Usually, like, there's some kind of method. No, that's true. Uh, Blair was complaining about this later in Untucked because it was all pre-cast. It was all pre-selected. Yeah. Um, she was really mad that she got to play. She was, like, a, a whiny teenager. She felt she was typecast. Um, oh. I have a theory that I think it's because they don't want another like All Stars 3, My Best Friend, Squirrel, Squirrel Friends, Crappy Wedding situation where people are just playing the wrong thing and it's terrible and it's a mess. You're probably right. Because I remember they also had the, the Bachelorette challenge with some of the girls maybe. Um, well, I, I don't remember if they were given those roles either in that one. Yeah, I mean, I think they're just trying to cast it for the girls uh, maybe. But maybe that's a little bit because that's overproducing. That is literally overproducing. So yeah. I mean, for also an improv challenge, it's giving them a lot of parameters. So it's yeah. an improv challenge where it's like an acting improv challenge. It's most mm -hmm. reminiscent, I would say, of like season um, eleven when they had the 
with the fortune feimster stuff outside, that kind of stuff. Yeah, very, very that, very, very that. that. It's very that. Yeah, so, except it's what's his name, uh, the the giggly gay guy, you know, Ross Matthews. Ross Matthews. Yeah. Uh, so with a teams, camera. The teams are Shea Coulee and Alexis Mateo. Very good. Which is the gag because, of course, they've had this manufactured drama and therefore, oh, guess what, girls? You're working together. Yeah. Ugh, and I, d- I really like them both. I love Alexis. I love Shea. They're probably my top two right now. And I, but I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not here for this kind of contrived story with them and like the fake laughter and stuff. For me, I'm just like, ugh, this, there's like an element of realness that's just not here right now. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a bit of a glazed overlook, I, I think, in in Alexis's eyes at times that I'm just like, all right, no. so this is interesting. This is TV, um, but yeah. So, uh, do you want to just go straight into the challenge? The other team or was India and oh. a mayhem? Uh, yeah. So, uh, so, sorry, going back to uh, Alexis and Shay, they were doing uh, like a housewives improv, like having lunch. Sad. Yeah, they did a housewives improv. They were out at lunch. They didn't. They weren't supposed to like each other, but they were being seen at lunch together. Right. And then Mayhem and India were doing um, a shoplifter. And, yeah, like uh, the store clerk coming out from Macy's going, you stole stuff, lady. Yeah, yep, that was that. And then the third group was... Uh, that Blair, was the threesome. And that was... Um, and Miss Cracker. Yeah, Drag You Scandal. Um, which I guess was based on Lori Laughlin or what's her name from Full House. Yeah, what was it again? It was like she couldn't get on Drag U or something. I can't remember. Well, it's the college, like the Felicity Huffman college scandal kind of. Oh, thing. right. Yeah. But it was very loose for me, and I didn't catch that. So let's get into that. Did anything happen before they started shooting that was notable? Um, uh, not really. I mean, I don't know. I was. It was so convoluted. Things are getting. It's. It's really. They were just pumping up that drama. Um. Uh, I think Mayhem had a moment, which always signals to me that that's the person going home. But <laughs> usually, that is the signal. Yeah, it's like, oh, they had a big dramatic moment. They're going home. Great. Okay. Okay. Perfect. So we're getting into the actual filming of. So what I will say, I did love is them dressed as guys in the um, the Shiamzi. Uh, right, because they all dressed as guys, and they had that kind of pally thing before it too, right? Yeah, that was is that a she? Is that a TMZ thing? Like they're all in a room talking. Yeah, that's that's what they do on the TV show. TV. Okay. This is, TV, this is based on a TV show. Yeah, and then they, they just like talk and then they're like, hoo, 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 hey guys, I got this great story about this chick I banged. Here, yeah. here's a clip. Well, no, I filmed a- it on my you know, eight, eight, eight inch camera. I don't know. This is kind of a dated reference. This is kind of when the Hills was around in that kind of period where they're like, we just saw Heidi and Spencer and they were kind of going off about like the stuff. Um, but I did like Carson Cressley as Crescent Carson. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Carson, Carson, yeah, Crescent Carson. Very mm-hmm. funny, giving me some of that uh, 1960s gay humor. That flew right over my gay head. Okay, but did yeah, it? great. Okay, I, I didn't catch that, but thank you. <laughs> you, you. You didn't catch him or you didn't catch I didn't him? catch the name. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but cool. <laughs> I really liked him playing that role. That was very funny to me. Hey, no, Carson Kressley and Ross Matthews are two of the best things about Drag Race. <laughs> I mean, so, yeah. So, yeah. So the first team is Alexis and Shay, and they are filming outside and having lunch. And uh, Ross Matthews is kind of, uh, 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 what's the word I want? Uh, pop, prop, pop, proper. He's paparazzi. a paparazzi. paparazzi. Paparazzi, like Lady Gaga. 
Yeah. And he's got the HD camera out, which I think is already out of date. And okay, and he's going around and pretending to be that guy this, to get this, the scoop. This episode is feeling very like season one of Drag Race. <laughs> Do you <laughs> like, think so? You, we're all the way back to. <laughs> I mean, this feels like a concept that they probably would have had on season one, and it would have made more sense. Right. Hopefully. Right. Anyways, what do we think of their, so their characterizations and stuff? Hills, you so it was the, Alexis you and Shay. Goddess, what do you think? It was Alexis and Shay, correct? Yeah. I think Shay was doing a, a good job. She kind of just held her own, uh, kept character, made good offers. Um, I, I, di I did get the general sense that Alexis was a little bit out of her depth. Um, but overall, like, they kind of got into that cat fight, which really saved them at the end. Um, it was okay. Like, it wasn't great. So I watched this. I, I feel like I'm on a different planet where I just, I'm seeing things differently this year. I don't know. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I liked the scene. I actually thought they did really good. And I thought, you I, liked, liked, it. I liked Alexis's character. I thought she had some great lines. Yeah. I liked Shay. They weren't necessarily working together as much, I guess you could say, but they, that no. wasn't really their characters either. So no. And also the baby, the baby bump thing where they both had pillows was, I, I mean, it, it did read very contrived TMZ moment. So that was good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for me, again, like even the baby bump pillows is kind of a dated reference. Uh-huh. <laughs> it felt very dated. Uh-huh. Yeah. But... So, I mean, it, it was okay. I think they, they both performed well. I preferred Shay a little bit. But uh, maybe that's just her presence. She has a very strong presence, you know? So I liked Alexis, but I liked them both. So I don't Incredible. know. They, they weren't even uh, considered. So that was no. them. And then the next group was Miss Cracker coming out of the hassle-free uh, mm -hmm. with Juju and Blair. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, I got to say, Miss Cracker started off very straight, very simple. Uh, Juju B came in with her daughter over the top. I thought Juju B was giving good giving good improv. She was in it. She was giving, she was in it. She was in it. Like she was reacting naturally, I thought. Oh, and thought uh, was Blair was just. So I thought you said good head or something. Oh yeah, definitely good head. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, uh, she was in it. Jujubee was really in it. You know, I thought she was reacting very naturally. She and was. And I actually liked, it. I liked her the most in that scene. I yeah. Kind of thought Blair's character was kind of like, it was like a one note character kind of. Was totally like one no. I would have appreciated if she could have found another twist to it somewhere. And, but I mean, you know, that's hard. Uh, and Cracker really came into her own at the end with all of her prepared one-liners, which saved her because, yeah, otherwise it was very stiff. Right. Michelle Visage, free clinic. So I, I feel different about this one. I didn't like this one. <laughs> yeah you didn't like yeah no i i totally see what you mean uh i don't know it seems like they just they just love the one-liners and that's it people see, really love the one-liners for me they don't actually care about improv <laughs> that's what i'm saying for cracker it didn't feel like she was improvising it felt like she had a scripted one-line yeah series that she was just popping out but yeah. i actually did, i thought cracker was going to be in the bottom after watching this i absolutely agree with you especially from the top half of that it was yeah. really rough it was not good but that's not what happened. I, I'm no. so confused. Yeah, <laughs> me too. Yeah. But I will agree, Juju did a great job. I love the wig she had on. It was perfect. Uh-huh. It was a Selena Vile special. She just came out and, and roared and, and really listened. She was really listening. 
you know, any improviser watching that scene would be like, that was the one. So whatever. Um, yeah. Yeah. Final thoughts on this scene? Um, overall, it was super funny just because Cracker's jokes were really good uh, and they made me cackle. But did they? Um, they did. Uh, but yeah, uh, Jujubee was my favorite in this, in this scene, ultimately. Right. I just didn't care for it. I actually didn't like Miss Cracker. I thought she was the weakest out of everybody. So interesting. I know. Objectively speaking, the jokes were good. Right. Anyway, that's all. Uh, so, so after yeah. that was India and Mayhem. And, and this in, was a mess. I'm sorry. In the parking lot. <laughs> well, you go ahead. You explain it. It was just not great. Uh, it was just bad improv. Bad, bad, bad. Uh, really schmackty, like obvious kind of tells and things like that. Um, blocking. The scene didn't go anywhere. And then they ended up licking glass. Um, which just seemed like... After it fell out of her punani. Yeah, but the thing is, the scene was kind of riding in, you know, on a scale of one to ten, the scene was like riding a nice, like, three. And then the punani <laughs> happened, and it was at eleven. And then they licked glass, and it was like a thousand and five. And I was like, where the hell is going on? Nothing made sense. Uh, so, I mean, like, if you like absurdist theater, you might like this scene um, and bad acting, but sh otherwise, I hated it. They're ready for Preacher's Christ. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm sure they're lovely people, though. <laughs> so um, India is doing this kind of uh, shoplifter, and Mayhem is like a contestant that was on The Bitchler. That's kind of who she's playing. Yeah, who was a shopkeeper, right? So I so. thought they had character. I didn't understand the. I didn't really understand what was happening, and I think that's just a characterization thing. Um, yeah. But I thought they had moments. I felt they had stronger moments in Miss Cracker. Right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, they were really trying to improvise. Right. You know, I'm not going to say that either of them are amazing actors or improvisers. No. I do think Miss Cracker is better in, in terms of like a well-rounded well performer in that way. But mm -hmm. I don't know. I just, I enjoyed this scene a bit more, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I, I see what you're saying. I, I mean, I, I will definitely say though, um, you know, I got to compare this like strictly improv and I, I just didn't see it with these girls, you know? Strictly. If we're if we're allowed to compare, I've got my improv chart right here. Exactly. Well, yeah. If you're allowed to compare girls and their dresses, then I'm going to bring out the chart for improv. You know. So, <laughs> listening, I give her a two. Exactly. <laughs> but for that punani gig, yeah, the offers were muddled, and they were they just didn't really jive. I don't know what was going it on. It felt like, you know what it felt like? It felt like high school stuff. Because you know when, like, kids, like, yeah. they're doing a scene, and it starts off very, very slow, and then it just goes to, like, a, like you were saying, like, a crazy 10. <laughs> like it just goes, yeah. It goes so left from where it was, and you're like, wait, hold on. I'm not, I'm not following. Exactly. It was a crazy 10. That's yeah. what happens when someone comes on, and they're like, hey, mom, how are you doing? It's like, I don't know, the aliens! Woo! And then you're like, <laughs> okay. That, and then you'd have nowhere to go at that point. So, uh, yeah, that's what happened. And that's bad improv. So, meh. That's what it's like improvising with Hillary? Yes, everybody. Hey, uh, I do it on purpose, girl. <laughs> my, my arms are made of a cake. <laughs> that's a Marco joke. Marco, that happened I, twice. Mar when, when I used to improvise with Marco, Marco would be like, my arms are made of a cake. <laughs> like, where do we go where do we go 
<laughs> there's nowhere to go after. I mean, do you start eating his arms? Are you attracted to this? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. <laughs> That's my favorite line. I'm going to use for everything. My arms are made out of cake. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I know what to get for you for your birthday. <laughs> cake you. arms. Cake arms. So that was that. That was the challenge. That's circa 2009 RuPaul's Drag Race shoes. Yeah, circa 2009. Woo, email. Uh, it's an- it was antique. Um, <laughs> it was an- they should do an antiques roadshow. Wouldn't that be funny? Holy Hannah Banana. I think we just wrote the new season of Drag Race for them. <laughs> well, if Canada's Drag Race is listening, I am a writer. <laughs> yeah. Antiques, antiques, row, row, uh, drag show. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Roll, roll, roll in Michelle DeBerry. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Everybody calm down. I'm excited she's on the new season. Yeah, That'd be well, fun. Let's talk about that at the very end of this. We can give them yeah. just a, a minute. But yeah. Let's yeah. So the girls are back in the workroom. Shay and Alexis are having a whole you do back and forth moment. Yeah. It was it was very that. <laughs> you described it very well in one sound. <laughs> I think we could move on. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's just like it's a contrived, like they want the drama. It was like the Trinity and Gia thing last season too, which I was like, okay, let's, we know what's happening. We're not dumb. The audience like, isn't dumb. The Gia thing was so contrived. I could see the script it off, off just off camera. Like it was. She had it one was, eye reading the script off camera. Yeah. Her one wonky lash was, <laughs> was down uh, on the script. So. Yeah. So, we do get into some good stuff with Mayhem, though, talking about, so um, she was, she had a DUI. She was arrested a couple times in That's right, because Blair was talking about her DUI. Also, which is, I, I forgot that she had, she was actually in, maybe not TMZ, but she was in the tabloids before she, she got was. on Drag Race because she was arrested. Yeah, yeah. She right looks before. so young, you're just like, can this child even drink? Yeah, I think she barely could, um, uh, or something, maybe not. Uh, I can't remember. But um, yeah, now Mayhem listened to that and was like, that's great. By the way, I've had two and I've had a really rocky time. So yeah, that was really remarkable to find out. And after she revealed that, I knew that she was probably going home. So <laughs> that is that is the, the proven way of knowing. Yeah. <laughs> um, I will say it's nice to see a different side of Mayhem because she feels very closed off for me as a viewer. Like it's hard to connect with her. Yeah, for someone so she's very lovely. She's got that nice girl uh, defensive wall up. Yeah, yeah. She's that nice girl that, you know, you can't, you don't know anything about. Yeah, you don't know anything about. Yeah, so strange. You're so nice. What's your name? (laughs) Like, (laughs) that that kind of person. It was nice to hear that story from her and how it kind of has changed. Sure, so that was great. I did like that. Yeah. That's when the, those, those are the, the make it mirror moments that I appreciate. Cause I'm like, okay, we're getting to know this person a bit more. And it's not like I'm being slapped in the face with like a dead fish, you know? Yeah. And I mean, she loves to call herself the queen of the party. Um, but I've never, I don't really get that. Cause I don't, I don't go to Mickey's, you know? So like, um, I don't, I don't know what that means. I just see her as a nice, a really nice person. <laughs> right. I I'm like, you're, it. yeah. Okay. You're a really nice person. Uh, what does that mean? I don't see how that translates. So, <laughs> she's the really nice person of the party. Yeah, I'm the really nice person of the party. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Oh god. Where is she? She's sitting over there. Okay. So. <laughs> she's, she's sitting over there handing out flowers to, to disabled <laughs> children. Like <laughs> anyway. I love that really nice person at the party. So here we go. We're getting into the runway. Who are the judges? We have RuPaul Michelle Fajage, Carson Cressley, and uh oh gosh, what's this girl's name? She's from Modern Family. Do you remember her name? Oh god. Um what we sh- should look it up. Doesn't matter. <laughs> but she is a um kind of an improv actor because they do do a lot of improv on that show right of course modern family definitely yeah, yeah. I, I thought she did give some good some good critiques so good for her mm-hmm. absolutely so here we go the runway is camo camo prince yep so should we run down what we think of these gals one you know quickly or no no, they they all faded into the background. Might have been the camo print. I didn't see. I didn't see anybody. What? Where did they? Exactly. It's like were they even on the stage? You know, that's the funny thing about camo print. Like if they do it well, technically you shouldn't be able to see them. You know, it'd be really funny. If somebody came out as the set. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like and their eyes were closed and then they got to the end of the run- runway and they opened their eyes and oh gag yeah if they just came out as like one of the pot lights like from <laughs> on the stage and just sat at the front of the stage and they're like "Ooh, i'm a light you know <laughs> mm, bitch it's giving chameleon exactly <laughs> so here we go we're getting into juju b she's giving us a look that was kind of uh similar to what Gigi good did on uh, season 12 which is kind of the troop beverly hills uh in that it's got a big old uh cape and then it's got lined with camo and she's got a little camo mini skirt on. Mm-hmm. What do we think? Sorry, who was this again? Juju. Oh, Juju. <laughs> she did the uh, inside outside camo. I thought it, I didn't get the reference, but uh, when she told it to me, uh, I got it. Cause it's kind of camo on the inside, which is kind of ridiculous, right? Yeah, she's going for like a true Beverly Hills kind of inspired, I would say, for this. Right. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was nice. Uh, she used camo print. I guess it's more of a camo print challenge rather than camouflage. <laughs> I, I like it. I think it's great. I like it for Juju. Is it giving me enough overall? No, but like Juju has just not had any good looks. <laughs> so it's like when I compare it, I'm like, okay, for Jujubee, this is a good look, I suppose. She even has a clutch that matches her shoes. Okay. Yeah, and the best part is if you don't like her outfit, she has a cape to cover it. So walk right off. The cape is very pretty. I do like the cape. And the shoes were red, which was weird. Maybe she just didn't have shoes. That's always the thing. You never have shoes. Yeah, there's some spots of red that really stood up in that camo. And then here comes Miss Cracker. She's giving us some uh, um, proportionized camo. Yeah, it's like Ariana Grande camo, Ariana Grande in the military. I love that people are like now that high, anybody who wears a high ponytail, that's so grande. <laughs> well, yeah, Ari- but high pony, also the outfit with the uh, peplum skirt and uh, bra and midriff. And, she and looks like, like Ariana, yeah. Ariana does that silhouette constantly, so. I like this. I think this is really great. I would wear this look. This is something that uh, I. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I like it. Except you'd get it in latex or PVC. That's, well, I'm, my girl Shay got my number on that one. Mm hmm. Uh, but I like this, and I think it gives a bit more of that kind of all star statement. We want big, powerful looks on these runways, and I think she yeah. did it. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's great. It, it reminds me of lots of nice, good cracker looks. It's great. Lots of, lots of nice good cracker looks. Here comes Blair Sinclair also giving us like a tree going, oh, it's like a, 
the roots are on fire and she's going up into the tree and the, the, the butterflies. Absolutely. I thought this was really cute. She, I mean, um, it wasn't as spot on, quote unquote, camo print. Who cares? She, she came out as a bush, as a tree, <laughs> as actual camouflage techniques. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. This Phenomenal. Really I actually love the leggings, how the leggings are split, but they have a lot of extra fabric around them, so they give it like a nice train to it. I and it's very the, like that Mugler kind of, you know, Mugler. woof. Totally Mugler. And then I love that the shoulders are so oversized, not even like a little, uh -huh. it's like triple times the oversized. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I love she, this a lot. Uh, I think it was a real hit for me. This one was one of my faves because it wasn't just like, well, I got camel print. Woo, I did the assignment. No, this is great. Yeah, she came up with a different idea for it. That was, and maybe that's my thing with like crackers and juju is it's like, it's just a basic silhouette in camo where this yeah. is like giving us a concept. I love that. Well, that's what I was saying. I was like, you're like Troop Beverly Hills in camo. I was like Ariana Grande in camo. <laughs> this is a freaking tree. This is the, what's that tree from the Lord of the Rings? Yeah, it's an ant. It's Treebeard, the ant. Yeah, rock rolling down south or whatever. <laughs> People love comparing me to an ant, so I like saying that. <laughs> um, I like this a lot. She's giving some good fashions. Her previous season, I didn't think she had a lot, but this one was like, okay, Blair. She's very, uh, she's very runway. She, she definitely seems to, to know her references there. Yeah, she could blow over at any minute. <laughs> and also I love this because I don't this is one of the first things I've seen her wear that I don't think detox would wear exactly so I love that like it's it's really starting to show her own her own style sure yeah detox the queen of, <laughs> uh, the queen of fashion <laughs> she owns fashion Ariana owns top knot yeah Gaga owns art detox yeah. owns fashion well, when you're on Drag Race, you get compared to Drag Race. That's and just how it goes. Black one, long wigs, owned own, own by Cher. Yeah, sketchy makeup, Bob the Drag Queen. You know, yeah. scary faces, um, you know, Trixie Mattel. I don't know. So. Disproportionate <laughs> pads, Hillary, yes. Exactly. One, two, <laughs> boobs that aren't the same size. Um. There's a lump in them pads. <laughs> okay, here comes Shea kool -Aid. I just rubbed mm -hmm. some Shea all over my body because I'm getting ready for this. She's mm -hmm. giving us a, what? decade is this it's a beehive um she's got a blue uh, camo i mean i don't know if it's really in period but uh, yeah like 60s probably i think she's on a period <laughs> and, then, and then she's got latex leggings in the camo which i love so what do you think of this hills uh i i mean i i think again we're just kind of seeing an example of like that i love this outfit like it's so cute uh 60s i love 60s everything camp. Hair, camp outfit Everything is camo print. Again, it's just camo print. So it's not my favorite. Like if the assignment was camo print, yeah. But okay, it's camouflage. <laughs> but it, I also like that it's not like the typical cam army camo. It's the blue camo, which is cool. Yeah. I don't love it though. For some reason, I'm like not connecting with it. Even though I love yeah. Shay. I yeah. love that she had a latex camo. I would have loved if this was all latex camo. Because honestly, yeah. just the difference in textiles yeah all the difference well i just don't understand um the the idea of like well why don't i just do a 60s idea i love but in camo what that what <laughs> what's the thinking there did this you is, see that watering pot that was camo well everything is in the print but like <laughs> i don't know what where is she camouflaging herself is she throwing herself in a lake or something i don't know 
Well, I don't, if you want to take it literal, like you want them to disappear, is that, is that how you interpret this? Well, I thought that's what camo is supposed to be. Camouflage is camouflage. No, camo is a print. Like, that's like leopard. If people say leopard print, you, it's like camo print. You know? All right, well, I, 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 camouflage. Camouflage is important, but like, yeah. Camo <laughs> print, I don't know. You want them to be up against the backdrop, like it's like what's a paint wars or something? They're like, where did they go? They're in the grocery store. I can't see them. I mean, that would have been a great way to interpret this. And I, I feel like only um, uh, the Blair did that. Yeah. Nina Bonina would kill that for sure. Uh, yeah. But she's not here. It's Shea Coulee. I, I do like Shea a lot. I do like elements of this and I think it's good, but it's just not my favorite of her. Yeah. yeah. I love this look. I just want it in a different material. Like I want it to be a 60s look like it should be. So yeah. So here comes Alexis Mateo. She's giving us Hunter camo in the winter. Hunter camo winter. Oh, see, now this is another girl that gets it. This is like she's camouflaged herself like an Arctic fox. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, because of the, the hair tufts and stuff. <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's as though, you know, uh, she has evolved into the Arctic form of her pageant drag so that her pageant drag is as camouflaged as possible in a winter wonderland landscape. And I love that. I will Very say well done. It's probably one of the most all-star, because all-stars is on its own level now. So it's like, yeah. we're comparing them to previous all-star seasons. I will say this is probably the most all-stars look of them all. Absolutely. Full fantasy, head to toe, um, just I, new ideas. And I like that it's a hunter fabric that we've never really seen before. Yeah. It's not camo print. That is great. <laughs> Yes, you went in a different direction. And that's yeah. what you have to do on this show too. So you have to think outside the box. And I love the silhouette. I love the flow. And the yeah. wig is gorgeous. So, and the makeup is, works with it too. It's perfect. Yeah, and you wouldn't know that was her either, which is another kind of cool thing. Well, she has like, always a signature kind of, her wigs are always very signature to Alexis, I would say. Yeah, but her, her makeup, her, her make, it doesn't look like her. It's almost like she, she, she could walk into the bar and you'd be like, who is that? Yeah, right? she, was, she was going concept. It was great. Yeah, like unlike, all the boxes are ticked. Unlike the next person. Here comes Mayhem Miller. Mm -hmm. we're, we're like, oh, here, Mayhem's here. Uh, <laughs> oh. And she's basic. Here's what I will say. I do, they said that they love this color story because it's a different color. It's pink and green and white. Absolutely. I, I do love this color on her. It really makes her look, um, it's a beautiful color on her. And yeah. But it is a bodysuit with, you know, um, uh, what are the leg things called? Um, uh, I don't know, strappy thing, the strappy things? Yeah, leg strappy things. Um, yeah. I love this wig on her, it's a great wig. But I think it needed something mm -hmm. else and that's what they said to her. She was a little bit um, defensive. Yeah, I mean, she took. She looks like Combat Barbie. Um, she says she was Combat Barbie. You know, she, she looks like it and that's great. But it's again, that kind of like, such a literal interpretation of, of camo and a bodysuit just kind of comes off as a little basic, but I mean, she looks great. Yeah, and I think, again, this is very much a bar look. Like if she's the queen of the party at the bar, she could wear this. Sure. Um, she, she did say she, this is probably the first bodysuit she's worn on the show. Mm -hmm. So maybe it's just one of those unfortunate moments of like, oops. I mean, I just don't buy it because it's like, you know, she's also the girl who came in as Krampus on the holiday show. Yeah. You know, she has I, I was expecting her to, to really turn it and like come up with something imaginative. And this I, is, 
whatever. I would have loved if she had a big bustle in this fabric, like this huge bustle coming off her hips with this, and then she could take that off if she wanted to. And yeah. She needed another layer to it, because it was right now, it's not up yeah. to the All-Stars level, like we're saying. Yeah, like if she's if she's doing an army theme, maybe she should have other things, like come out in a giant bush or something and then reveal herself, you know, like take the ar army thing a step further. Yeah, have a little toy soldier. Where's where are you keeping those toy soldiers, Mayhem? Exactly. <laughs> Who is after Mayhem? India. Here comes India Farah. India, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't oh. know what the heck she was doing with this look. Do you like this? No. <laughs> so, and it is giving us. This is the ugliest camo I've ever seen in my life. The ugliest. Yeah. So it's it's like a army camo almost. I would yeah, say. it is. Yeah. And then uh, she's got this slick back black red wig and then she's got this kind of severe makeup which yeah um is not that severe i would say but and, and then this kind of pvc leggings and so it's got a lot of things that i like uh-huh but i don't like it on her yeah no i mean what 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 is this like she's like weird kimono uh, crossed with army crossed with just got out of the shower i don't understand the story here at all yeah, um, kind of like a samurai, I would say. Almost a samurai. Like camo samurai? She's not Asian. How is she supposed to get away with that in this day and age? Come on. Like, I don't get this. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you know, like, it's just very... I get, like, it's very runway. You know, like, I think it's kind of cool runway look, but, like, it doesn't make sense to me. I don't like... I like the silhouette of it. So this is what I'll say. I like the silhouette of it. I don't like the fabric she used. It's gross. Yeah. I don't like the wig with it. I don't like the gold necklace with it. That, so mm -hmm. I don't like it, I guess. I guess I'm saying I don't like it. Yeah, like the gold necklace, I think, was maybe like, should be like kind of gold chain mail underneath it. But then it's like, but you're a samurai, but you're this, but the, I don't know. The story is so convoluted to me. I, I would like to know what, what was going on in her brain. <laughs> yeah. And, also <laughs> and then the makeup, thing. like what? What? What's with the makeup? Why? Like, <laughs> I didn't mind the makeup. The makeup was fine to me. It was more like the wig. The wig was just so. Oh God. I mean, she. I mean, you know, you know, I hate. You know, I hate a wet wig. <laughs> you hate a wet wig. I hate a wet wig. <laughs> Don't be peeing on Hillary's wig. Please do not. That's the worst. <laughs> oh my God. Well, you would love when uh, what's his name was there. Well, who was um, RuPaul's former makeup artist? Matthew Anderson. Yeah. Apparently, he poured water into RuPaul's wig. Oh, when he like left the stage and like yeah, put it, it on it, top it. of RuPaul's head or something. I don't know. No, if that's it's true, true. <laughs> because you you've often told me, Hillary, you're the type of queen that you should make a mess. You should pour stuff on yourself, and I'm like, no, because <laughs> then my wig would get wet, and I hate a wet wig. <laughs> Did I have I said that to you? I don't believe. I yes, yes, yes. But Hillary, I mean, I was the this. type of queen that should make a mess. Because I'm a, I you know, I'm a bit of a crazy mess lady, but um. <laughs> I don't know, the wet wig is really in and I don't really get it. Like, why do you always want to look like you just came out of the shower? Is that cool or, I don't know. Or like have been drowned in a toilet, getting swirly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm just like, okay. Who's been uh, bullying you? I'm thirsty. Oh, don't worry, just wring out India's hair. She's got plenty there, you know. Let me, me. I'm always ugh. the bully. Apparently I'm always the bully. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. Well, no, you're a bulldozer, not a bully. We'll get into Canada's drag race though, just wait. <laughs> Kidding! I'm kidding. So yeah. that was the runway. Um, we find out who's in the tops and who's in the bottoms. Who was safe? Ugh. It was uh, uh, Blair and uh, Shay. Shay. Blair and Shay are safe. 
Right. So then the tops are Jujube, um, uh, Cracker, and Alexis. Kind of is in the top. Uh, yeah, absolutely. But uh -huh. they were kind of they were kind of giving her negative critiques though. So I was confused. I was like, okay, she's in the top, but you're acting as if she's in the bottom. <laughs> um. Yeah, I don't really know how that works. Really, <laughs> I'm sure there's some spreadsheet that exists out in La La Land. <laughs> I don't know. And then, so the, the bottoms are obviously Mayhem and India. For yeah, I, we for sure know that they're the bottoms, so great. Yeah, they're just big old piggy bottoms this season. <laughs> and they should be. So yeah. the girls all go back and they have a kiki about what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's kind of happening this season. I don't mm -hmm. think this twist is working for them. No, because Mayhem are... does, does the same Bendela Christ, um, Angina, Angina Christ, uh, Peaches moment Christ. Where, Peaches Christ. <laughs> moment where she just kind of says, gals, it's just not my year. Send yeah, they're, me home. They're caving in on me. On uh, yeah, what an easy out, right? Yeah. So the bottom two, as we said, India and Mayhem, and the vote, they go to vote, they vote, they vote. And mm -hmm. the girls go and talk with Miss Cracker, and she pulls out her lipstick for herself. And then we find out who the lipstick assassin is this episode. Who is it? Morgan McMichaels. Scottish louse, Morgan McMichaels. The least Scottish person I've ever seen on TV. Yeah, I think she lost her Scottishness somehow. I don't know how. Well, they say she just got there like like however many years ago, like 10, 15 years ago. But I'm like, does yeah. she still have an accent? She must have worked hard to get rid of it because she should. <laughs> That's too bad. I love a Scottish accent and she's I cute, so I could totally get into that. I know. And I think she's she's a very talented lip synker. Um, lip sync assassin, I was I, I don't know if she was necessarily showed herself as that on her season. Did did she? She I I watched uh, Tabitha Takes Over. I love a good Tabitha Takes Over. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's that like hairstylist from Australia who goes into other people's businesses and takes it over and <laughs> does it. Anyways, they brought Morgan in as they went to a gay bar, they redid the gay bar. And Morgan mm -hmm. ended up performing at the end of the thing as as Tabitha. She did such a good job. Oh my goodness! <laughs> yeah. So she's she's very underrated. So they ended up doing. Um, I thought they were going to do like a Frozen theme song because right. of their looks. They looked like they were Frozen dolls. But yeah. And then it was where have you been, Rihanna? Yeah, where have you been all my life? Yeah, that was weird, wasn't it? Just based on the looks, I was like, okay, this is what we're changing into for this. Maybe they did do Frozen, and then they changed the chore They changed the song in post, <laughs> and their lips. And their, they just magically got their lips to match to this. Yeah, can you imagine? <laughs> Where have you frozen? Yeah. <laughs> um, um, so you know, Cracker has a lot of tricks, and I guess she was sent home early on her season. Well, not early, but she was sent home on her first lip sync. Yeah, she only lip synced once. Yeah, so she really wanted to prove something. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I thought they both gave a good performance with this. There were some tricks involved. I mean, this is a party song if there's ever been a party song. Yeah, they both pulled out all their tricks. Like, I think, um, I think Cracker pulled out all of her tricks. I think some people were saying um, maybe they pulled out all their tricks at the expense of actually following along with the song for, super well. I mean, it's kind of a one-note song, though. Like, there's not like a ton of story. I mean, you could you're come totally up with, right. You could come up with something, I'm sure, but yeah, you're it totally is right. What it, is. It, it, it is pretty much just like, "Where have you been all my life?" <laughs> I, 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 and then <laughs> five minutes later, you're. I'm still waiting for where you've yeah. been. You haven't told me for my life. I, I you know, so 
Um, yeah, it's a turnip song. Yeah, exactly. So it's a little disappointing, but it's not it's not as good of a, a, a turnip song as like Pound the Alarm or something, you know, which actually has a story to it. Oh, I so. love a good story and pound the alarm. And then right? he pulls off another pussycat wig. Exactly. <laughs> um, so they both end up winning it. So they, but the first time in this kind of format, they both win and they both, I guess, um, Cracker gets 20,000. I know. That was a gag. I was like, well, I guess show, that's what happens when you get tie. You win the whole kitty. You win wow. the whole kitty. That's amazing. <laughs> So I guess who shows their lipstick first? It was Morgan. Morgan McMichael showed the lipstick the girls chose. The lipstick. And she pulls out... Um, Mayhem Miller. And it was a double take from Morgan because Morgan and Mayhem are great WeHo friends, of course. And so she looked and it was like Mayhem. Was just, she had to send her own friend home. Yeah. Way wow. to go, girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the other gag is that we have another lipstick cult pull, so it could be India going home as well. But uh, it's not. It's mayhem. There's two mayhems. Okay, but we have to talk about that moment. If you were the lip sync assassin and I was standing there in mayhem's place and you pulled my name and you were like, Hillary, how would you feel about that? Wait, say that again. How would I feel or how would you feel? Well, if you were in mayhem's situation and I was on Drag Race or something and oh, you yeah. had to send me home like that, and it's out of your control. How would you feel? Well, if I sent you home. Yeah. Well, this is a different dynamic. We, we, we have a love-hate relationship. <laughs> Are you saying you would get enjoyment out of sending me home? Can you imagine I pull it out and I like smirk? And you're just like, serves you right, bitch. <laughs> I was like, I'm, queen is still queen. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot. No, okay. I would be upset. Obviously, I would be upset. I mean, if anybody's, this is like high stakes nowadays, right? I know. Well, it's such a platform. It's such a platform. It's far more than my quarter inch platform heel that I usually wear. So, yeah. I would be happy to send you home any day, Hills. <laughs> <laughs> hey, at least I'd be on Drag Race. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. So that is it. Mayhem goes home, and we find out that she voted for herself. Everybody voted for Mayhem. It's a clean sweep. Mm-hmm. It's it kind was. of anticlimactic, though. You know, these episodes are getting like, okay, so this. <laughs> well, there's a there's a pattern because it's always like, all right, you get to the end, and one of the girls is like, send me home, and then they try and build up drama. It's like, will they do it? And it's like, yes, of course they're gonna do that. That's the easy answer. Yeah, and the editors, I mean, on the on the other side of this, as a production and editors are like trying to piece this together to be like kind of engaging for the audience to be like not knowing what's happening. Yeah. I can see it being frustrating for them, to, for these girls to just be like, nah, I give up. Nah, nah, I give up. Yeah. You know, they're trying their best, but it feels like it's a bit too con preconceived now. It's too put together. Yeah. And I mean, I think, I think that's only getting worse now that it's really, you know, with VH1 and it's, it's getting so generalized and, and, and catered towards straight audience. They're really trying to, I don't know, sell that idea and water it down. And Listen, it's reality TV. It's its own business and it's it the job that we asked for it to do. So it is. we can really say about that. But I'm, I will say that maybe India goes home next week or? Uh, yeah, I, I would put money on India going home. I wouldn't yeah. be surprised. So. And then hopefully after that, we can start to see, okay, here we go. Who's actually in this to win it? Yeah. And, and that, and of course that, as soon as you actually know who's in it, that's when the production value falls massively. <laughs> <laughs>
Remember, because All Stars 3, Ben de la Creme leaves, and then everyone's like, oh my God, the competition just changed. And then they got my best friend, squirrel friend, stinky ass wedding, which was the worst challenge in history. <laughs> yeah, that was just some bad writing. That was bad. Uh, I was like, what a letdown. You should have just skipped to the finale, guys. Like, come on. I hope, because I feel like they've introduced a couple of twists in terms of like the lipstick voting and then like the lipstick assassins. I hope they introduce one more twist in the season somehow. Just yeah. to freshen it and give it like just something else. I don't know. Yeah, they're going to bring back Shangela and then they're going to bring back Trixie and then Trixie's still going to win. Oh my That's what's God. Gonna happen. <laughs> the, the, I have to say it. Selena's not here, so she can't defend herself. <laughs> the privilege of it all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that was this episode. So let's talk quickly about Canada's Drag Race because that is premiering this Thursday, July 2nd, after Canada Day, which is tomorrow. Happy Canada Day! <sighs> Happy Canada Day! I'm very proud to be a Canadian. I got my Serb, and I'm not dying. I'm really happy about that. Same girl. We still have a lot of work to do here, though. Don't get it twisted. There's still work to be done in the country, but I am. Oh, very but you're proud. talking about you're talking about all the all the important you know social work that is needed. Yeah, I am proud to be Canadian. I can definitely say that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think it's it's a you know racism and sexism and lots of things is something that spans na uh, internationally. It's something that everybody needs to examine, you know? No one's excluded. No. No that's one. A, the, it's, it's a you think global, you can hide? It's a that's, global. That's, what, that's what we're trying to root out. It's like, you think you can hide Karen yeah. sitting there in your Walmart but also know, in, Canadian, in the aisle? Canadians need to recognize, like, we also are very much valuable for this. Like, we have to yeah. own up to what we've done in our past, what Absolutely. we are doing now how we think and see things still, you know, so. Absolutely. Yeah. We, yeah. But on that note, Canada's Drag Race is coming out and I'm very happy with this cast in terms of like, there are half the cast are people of color. I love that. I love the, um, the uh, uh, what's the word I want? The um, representation that is kind of happening on the show this season. Mm-hmm. And I can't wait for us to review it. We are going to start reviewing Canada's Drag Race. That'll be our next podcast that comes out, I guess, because we're going to be reviewing that as a house, as a house. Uh -huh. house. Yes, just, uh -huh. the, just us girls. Just us girls. Because that comes out, that plays Thursday nights, correct? Yeah. Anyways, let's wrap this up, Hills. All right. All right. Wasn't it great, Peaches? Thank you so much for having Peaches with us. I love Peaches Christ. Uh, I would make a pie out of her if I could, honestly. Peaches crust. Yeah, uh, I, I don't eat the crust unless there's a lot of butter in it, but maybe. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you so much for having me. Uh, it's been such a joy to chat with um, people, people like Peaches, my God. And there's oh. more to come, so just stay tuned, squirrel. <sighs> so amazing. All right, and I will talk to you when we do Canada's Drug Race, a season one, episode one, Hillary, yes. And I will talk to all of you when I, um, well, what Vicky said. <laughs> yeah, she likes to just repeat whatever. Okay. Exactly. Thank you so much, squirrels, for listening. Remember to subscribe, give us a rate if you enjoyed this, and uh, share us. We like to spread the spread the spreader. Yeah, and check me out my uh, Instagram, Hillary Yass. That's just two A's. I don't know. Spell it. Yeah, there's the Palm Bay. She's reached the bottom, so we got to wrap this up. So bye, All squirrels. Right. We'll talk to you next later this week. Okay, bye, bye. Yeah,